You know, I have to tell you this morning that the message that I wanted to share with you, sitting here and listening to the prayer requests and the praises from people here, from my family, uh, to about what God is doing in their lives, just kind of melts my heart. You know, it's it's uh, it's incredible. It it can't be a man-made thing by any means at all. It's got to be a God thing. Period. <clears throat> you know, I love this time of year. This time that that the snow goes away and it starts to warm up a little bit, and it's not supposed to rain, and we're supposed to be able to go out and do the things we want to do and camp and fish and work in the yard and stuff like that. And I've got some plans for this summer. And I bet all of you do. I know a fact that there's a couple going on a cruise. I know a couple that's got some house remodeling going on. I know a couple that's got some camping going on and fishing and these things. What, what was that, Abel? What, you got something going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I'm like that, too. It seems like we, we kind of jumped over spring and jumped right into summer, almost, with the, with the temperatures that's going on out there. And I want to I wanna take us back a little bit of time here to um, a special person in the Bible, a saint that we look at, we read about a lot. And, and this is something that we're talking about in the men's Bible study on Wednesday morning a little bit. And I, I felt that I should probably share this with, with the whole body. But before I do, let me pray about what's coming up here. Dear Father, uh, we just thank you for, we thank you for the praises and the prayers this morning. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for how deep it is. And we thank you for the godly men who penned your word in the Bible, Father. And we just ask you to take the word today and put it into our, our minds and, and our hearts and allow us to act on it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message this morning that I penned for is Saul, You, which includes me, and God. Um, We're going to look at that amazing story in the book of Acts about that famous disciple Paul who originally started out in God's word as Saul. The words should paint a picture in your mind about what they are saying. But let me give you some background on Saul before we actually get into the scriptures. Saul was born of the purest Jewish blood, as it says in Philippians 3.5. Circumcised the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. Saul was cradled in Orthodox Judaism. 
at the proper age, probably 13 years of age. He was sent to Jerusalem and completed his studies under the famous Gamaliel. Uh, a little bit about Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a, a, a rabbi of rabbis. In fact, he was the first of seven rabbim, rabbin, R-A-B-B-A-N. There were only seven of them, which was the level above a rabbi. And so Saul had this opportunity as a young man, at 13, to take and study underneath him. Not only did he study about the Old Testament scriptures and the traditions of Judaism, but he also learned about being a rabbi, of the rabbinical process that took place. So this was, Saul was really the Hebrew of all Hebrews there. He was um, sent to break out. Saul being a superior, zealous student, absorbed not only the teaching of the Old Testament, but all of the learning of the scholars. His first appearance in the Bible to us is in Acts as a young man in Acts 7.58. And he was probably at least 30 years old at that time and was already acknowledged leader in Judaism. His active opposition to Christianity marked him as a natural leader of persecution that arose after the death of Stephen in Acts 758. Saul stood there and held the cloaks, the, the coats, and things as he watched Stephen being stoned. He was convinced that Christians were heretics and that the honor of the Lord demanded their extermination. And he took that Jewish Judaism zeal that they have and he went after Christians. The atrocities that took place, we're not going to talk about. But just, just remember that he demanded that they be exterminated. Saul did not doubt the rightness of his course. The spread of Christians to foreign cities only increased his fury against them. He saw Christian Christianity spreading out, and he was determined that he was going to stop it by himself, by going around and collecting the Christians and sending them back to Jerusalem for trial and persecution. He approached Damascus, armed with authority from the high priest to collect Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem. Now we remember that story about Saul, if you read about it, have read about it at any time, on the path to Damascus, all of a sudden, Jesus went zap, knocked him off the mule or whatever he was riding, horse, mule, donkey, I doubt a camel, but knocked him to the ground and blinded him and shook him to his timbers. Jesus said to him while he was on the ground in Acts 9.4, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
I can't think of a worse position to be in, to be accused by Jesus about persecuting him at all. He was blinded, and for three days he fasted until God sent Ananias to go to Saul and lay hands on him. And as I watch this whole process of Saul being knocked to the ground, of Jesus talking to him, of Jesus revealing himself to Saul, and then Ananias being told by God, go to Saul, lay hands on him, heal him, pray with him, and allow the Holy Spirit to come upon him. And Ananias says, whoa, baby. No, thank you. I know what Saul's reputation is like, and you want me to go step in there? And I tried to think of an analogy, you know, like uh, going to the North Korean leader and trying to talk to him about something, or going to Putin in Russia and trying to share with him and whatnot. And how does that end up, you know, in prison, in jail, or dead? But Ananias did it. Even though he debated with God about going there, he did it. Ananias said, when he saw Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles with you or your phones or however, open up to books, the book of Acts chapter 9 starting halfway through verse 19. Halfway through Acts 9, 19. After Ananias prayed with Saul, immediately the scales fell from his eyes. He took food and was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples. No, not the apostles. He was with the local disciples, the local Christians there in Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed, proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for the pur this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving Jesus was the Christ. Now, in Galatians 1.17, it explains a little bit of this by saying that Paul left Damascus at some point in this process and went away to Arabia and then returned to Damascus. Um, it, it took Saul some time, and some say maybe up to three years, that he's in Arabia, to go back through the Old Testament and everything that he was taught because the realization came to him that it all points forward to Jesus. Everything that he learned. Not to Judaism, to Jesus there. Now, he had a different view of everything. He had learned under Gamaliel. Okay. Got it. Tongue tight. <laughs> and more importantly, his fellow Jews needed to know about this and accept Christ. He said, wait, if I turn 180 degrees, I know all the history. I can see where Jesus is in the Old Testament. 
Jews, you need to stand up and understand this. Now, Kurt and I have talked about this. Jewish rabbis and Jews, per se, just love to get in each other's face and dig it out and debate and question, not answer. They just keep throwing more questions back all the time with it. Saul had this fire. That's what he was going to do. He was going to show them that Jesus was Lord, the Son of God. When many days passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night, let him down through an opening in the wall, and lowered him in a basket. Now, Saul took off for Jerusalem. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were afraid of him, for they did not believe he was a disciple. Just like the disciples in Damascus. How could this man be a disciple of Christ? But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Tarsus was also the place where he was born. Now, the Hellenists, that word, who are these? Um, The Jewish Israelites, their language was Aramaic. The Hellenists were of Greek, and there were Jews also, but their language was in Greek. A little bit of the difference between the two. So it also tells me that not only uh, Saul knew Aramaic, but he knew Greek, too, to be able to, to preach to him. Now, a couple of things come to mind when I read these scriptures. This is how it appealed to me. As a new believer 36 years ago, I was on fire wanting to share that Jesus was the Son of God and was my Lord and Savior. But I didn't know the answer to the questions coming at me, nor could I debate Christ with unbelievers. I didn't care, just like Saul didn't care. He didn't know initially that connection. He was just on fire. And he had that, that Jewish zealots fire going on in him, and he didn't care what was going to come at him. He was going to share it. I felt the same way. I didn't know, but boy, oh boy, everybody that I ran into, they had to hear that I am a believer in Christ, and he's my Lord and Savior, period. The second thing I looked at is twice the Jews tried to kill Saul for preaching Christ, and he escaped. So that tells me that God had a plan for him, and it wasn't going to the grave at all as he was doing this, and people were looking out for him, the disciples. The third thing, Saul, with his reputation and education, I kind of wondered, 
why wouldn't the Jews listen to him? And I mean, logically, you think about it. Here is a Jew, the Jew of Jews. Here is the man with the reputation of going around and wiping out Christianity wherever he went. This is a man who was learned and knew all the scriptures. Why wouldn't you listen to him when he changed with it and accept what he was saying? Do you think it's possible that their ears were closed? That God put earplugs in them there? That they weren't ready to hear what was going on or even willing to accept it? Number four, do you think Saul had a type A personality? Yo, baby, I think he had the type A of all type of A's. He was a man that was used to being in charge, speaking with authority, and when he spoke, people jumped. Otherwise, they went back to the high priest in Jerusalem and had to answer to him. He knew all the Old Testament, how everything pointed to Jesus. These Jews better believe him or else. Now, you couldn't send him back to Jerusalem and put him in prison or persecute him. But that same zeal he had when persecuting Christians, he was applying to the Jews. So the question I ask you when you read this and picture what's taking place with Saul, do you think Saul had his own agenda or was he following God's plans and instructions? He had it figured out. He says, I know better than anybody else I have everything in place. I have the background. I'm going to do it. But he didn't go. He was shut down, and they tried to kill him twice. So then the question comes up, what was God's purpose and plan for Saul? If he wasn't to go back and preach Jesus to the Jews. Later in the book of Acts, in Acts 22, 17 through 21. It explains a little more about his departure from Jerusalem and God's plan for him. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him, Jesus, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. That's Jesus talking right straight to him. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that the one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. Wait a minute. Picture this. This is Saul arguing with Jesus who's telling him get on the donkey and get out of town. And Jesus said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Two things. Number one, go. There's no woe. There's no slow There's get it going and get out of here. You are to share me with the Gentiles. And reading between the lines, not to the Jews. 
That's somebody else's job. Could it be that God's plan and Saul's plan were not the same? It seems evident that way at that time. So how do these scriptures apply to us? Where does the shoe leather meet the road? And when I read scriptures like this and stuff, I say, what, what, what is God trying to tell me? What is he telling me that I should be not doing or should be doing? Constantly learning and improving. Are your plans in life the same as God's plans? Take a minute and look back through your life and see where God changed your plans and what was the outcome. You don't know when all of a sudden your truck or car doesn't work right and you're delayed an hour or two to go into bend. You don't know what went on behind the scenes. Maybe there was a potential accident that you were being diverted from. You don't know at all. God knows. He's all-knowing. It's his plan. From the foundation of the earth till the end of times, it's his plan with it. In the fall of 1969, I was stationed at Kunsan Air Force Base in South Korea. The Vietnam War was in full swing. A request was posted asking for people who wanted to become Army helicopter pilots. Air Force personnel could cross-train into the Army and become warrant officers learning to fly helicopters in Vietnam. I applied for such a position, but was denied due to the fact that I'm partially colorblind and green and brown. I was, it bothered me that why would they not accept me? Camouflage doesn't affect me that much. It's black and white to it, so it's not really the same thing. But when I look back at this disappointment years later, I realized after coming to Christ that the average life expectancy of a helicopter pilot in Vietnam was 90 days. And God saved my life. He had a plan for me. I didn't think of it that time because I didn't know the Lord. I was just disappointed. So I ask you, do you see in your life familiar situations where your plans didn't take place? When you didn't get to go on vacation when you thought you wanted to? or go on a trip, or do this, or do that. Now this is going to hurt. So be prepared. You're waiting, Billy. You know, it's, it's sort of like looking at a needle prior to getting a shot. I hate needles. I've always hated needles. But in most cases, I'm improved after getting the needle on it. When your plans didn't come about the way you wanted them to come about, what did you do? Did you throw a fit? Did you say bad words? Did you get stressed out or started throwing things around? Be honest. All of the above, okay? I admit to it. 
clear. And the stress part, the, the gnawing of the teeth, and, and uh, it's sort of like watching a, a duck football game and we're losing, and Pat's going, it's only a football game. And I'm going, Ugh. that type of angst is coming into me. So here are three steps in the right direction to align ourselves with God's plan. Hopefully, we can align ourselves with God's plan. That's the goal. Number one, be in God's word and listen to his commands as a Christian. Two verses that pop to mind. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you. You are also to love one another. Or Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Not just sharing the gospel, but when somebody comes to the Lord, coming alongside them and discipling them and helping them and teaching them, whether it be men's Bible study that we sit in on Wednesday morning or Kurt's Tuesday night class there. Number two, be in continue prayer with God, asking him about your plans. What would you have me do, Lord? Is what I'm about to do right? So I'm going to ask you another question. Do you take your plans to God? I don't. A lot of times I say, yep, I got this planned out and I'm going to go do this and everything's going to work out right and stuff like that. Please, God, open the doors when right and close the doors when wrong. And sometimes when those doors close, it hurts. If the thought comes to me about a decision then I'd better pray about it. And I tend to look at this like the Holy Spirit that is within me is giving me this little nudge and saying, Mike, Mike, you better take a look at it. You better take a look here. There's something something that you're not seeing. Where does that saying come? If you're going to buy something, a major, a major thing that you're going to buy, wait three days. But I don't want to wait. I want it now. I want to hook it up to my truck and take it home, (laughs) period. But maybe three days later I say, you know, I shouldn't have done that for whatever reason. I probably should have prayed about these things first instead of having to take a hard look at it later. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Number three. Here's the hard one. When plans in your life change, don't throw a fit. Thank God for what did take place or didn't take place. And I want to give you an example or two. Um, 
again, I, I think about being delayed and going someplace. Maybe there's a reason in that route where there was a problem. Maybe my vehicle was going to break down. Um, I won a one-week-long trip for my wife and I, all expenses paid to Jamaica one year and didn't get to go because a hotel strike took place and they, wouldn't, they weren't taking guests into the hotels. And I could have got torqued on it. And I used to hate that saying, oh well. What do you mean, oh well? Don't you care about it? Oh well. The older I get, the more often I say, oh well, <laughs> with it. It just happens. But the fun thing that, that Jock and Craig and I do when we set up plans, we say, well, let's come back here on Thursday and do something, or let's go there and do something and whatnot. The last little part of that going or doing something is Lord willing. Lord willing that he allows me to do this. If not, oh well. Okay? You may be disappointed in your plans that don't come about, but what does it really matter in God's kingdom? It's not all about me, myself, and I. Period. So the bottom line this morning that you walk away with who is in control? Me or him? We know it. We know it by faith. But do we practice it? Nope. Not always with it. So let me close in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for your plan. We thank you for it's not a coincidence that we're all here together this morning. It's not a coincidence that we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. That is your plan, Father. And looking forward because of the things you did for us in the past, it's, it's almost like sit down, buckle up, and hang on because we're with you, Father. We're in for the ride for the long haul, wherever it takes us. We thank you for the, the, the trials that Saul went through. We thank you for the observation of being able to look at this. And, and he became the Paul in the Bible that was penning so many of these books in the, in the New Testament, Father. We thank you for your word. We ask you, Father, to tweak us in the head when we get ready to do something and bounce it off you, Father, first. We know that you love us. We know that you care about us. And we just thank you for the way that you protect us and guide us. But hopefully we go, don't go the wrong way and have to turn 180 and come back with it. We want to go your way the first time. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.